evoking magic of the everyday wonderment of life and death, one bitch at a time. Step inside, bewitch seance, episode, magic and the bitch, parte dos. Querido, I hope you're enjoying your bath thus far. I hope, I know you're enjoying your bath thus far. Uh, I'm not going to go into town because, yeah, I was thinking more about your question. It's not conducive to the episode. Like, it's just going to be too noisy and distracting to sort of, like, be in the space. Let me know your thoughts. Hello. Uh, Yes. I'm happy to do that. Yeah, let's do the old back and forth, eh? Well, here I sit, bathed in sweet delight, in the hot tub out in the woods, this little humble cast iron tub on a fire. Uh, And this is my little tiny paradise. This is um, a tiny house that I built when I went through um, this beautiful, magical, transformational heartbreak. Um, when was that? A year ago or something I built this thing. Uh, and it is my little solace and sanctuary. Um, yeah, no one comes down here, it's just me. Um, I have people around, we have tubs and gone little psychedelic journeys together and, and whatnot. It's, it's lovely to have company, but I am also a bit of a solipsistic creature. I love my own time and space and to not be intruded on. So yeah, and this is uh, actually in the distance you can hear the highway, Um, but I just like to use different uh, creative visualization techniques and imagine that it's dragons and wizards fucking or I don't know, some whatever takes me fancy at the moment. Um, So yeah, this is my little patch of paradise on uh, this beautiful 42 acres of land, this farm, called Fox Farm, and this is where I have my mushroom farm, my company, my little thing is called Mushroom Abundance, and that is is what I embody and that's what I try and bring to the world. Um, Yeah, I pretty much live and sleep and dream uh, mushrooms and fungi. what does that look like? Well, um, I love them. I'm mycophile, that's the official term, mycophilia. Um, and yeah, you see, you see that with uh, people who get into mushrooms, they really, people really get into mushrooms. Like, it's something that if it takes your fancy, you could devote your entire life to practicing and exploring because it's really a dream that has no end you know they have so many applications um, and so many uses for um, human and planetary healing I guess uh, I'll get I'll get into that a bit later but um yeah so what I do here is I cultivate um, gourmet and medicinal mushrooms the moment, springtime, I'm busy, busy, busy little pollinator, sporulator. Hehe, <laughs> sporulator. 
Um, but yeah, springtime, I'm just flat out gathering my substrate, so gathering all my, you know, I collect um, waste, like uh, residues from other industries, like uh, I've been collecting hemp husk the last couple of days, got a thousand kilos of hemp husk, and um, sawdust, and wood chip, and straw, sugarcane, mulch, that kind of thing, because I'm... Um, getting a big grow of oyster mushrooms going for a little food company and I'm also doing a big batch of reishi and turkey tail to make some of my own medicines um, which I'm gonna go legit and you know get them um, get them put on the shelves but for me really it's about um, you know just humble healing uh, tools and allies it's a real allyship so, um, so yeah, I got mega greenhouse, and I got a little lab, I've got another house actually, I live a couple of days a week in town, uh, in Lismore town, um, and that's where I do my sterile lab cultivation, um, and then I come out here with my spawn and I inoculate the shit. So it is, yeah, at the moment it's driving me a little bit crazy because it's a kind of seven days a week job and I'm very committed but um, as well as that I'm just loving uh, life on the land and I've been putting in heaps of seeds today I put in so many but lots of different heirloom tomatoes and some okra um, some of that beautiful glass jam corn zucchinis well put in heaps of stuff today amaranth yeah, it's an exciting time. Thank you for that wonderful self-introduction because the way that I remember meeting you in the jungle is in spore form and I find absolute fascination in the way that I saw you engage with nature um, in the same way that um, I've been encountering more and more people throughout these years, the way that they engage with nature. And I'm curious to know if that's always been a part of who you are and if it's uh, in my experience, it's easier for me to connect to the magic when I am in nature. And that's not something I could recognize at a young age because I grew up in cities. So it's only recently in these past few years that I've allowed myself to step into the symbiosis of magic naturally existing in natural spaces and how to hone that. My form and my brand of magic and wizardry. Uh, this particular one, you know, this, this mushroom journey has been the last five years and has been an incredibly potent time for me. I would liken it somewhat to, um, you know, classical alchemy um, as an attempt to transform base metals into gold. Um, yeah, I mean, I used to just be an uncarved block. I used to have so much, um, anger and rage. I was raised as a very, um, a strict Christian, you know, and I, when I deviated from that, um, I guess I was left to forge my own path, you know, um, which has been a beautiful thing, but, um, I think I've always been, you know, if, we t if we're talking like 
archetypical and um, and tarot terms. I've always been a fool. I've always been um, just a bit wandering aimlessly, full of full of magic, full of that raw, untapped magic, but just really floating around the universe, you know, seeking and searching for the thing that sung to me and it made me feel like, um, you know, I had a purpose and place. Uh, so I tried a lot of things for many years, just traveling and hitchhiking and hoboing and, um, I guess I did get into plants and cultivation pretty, pretty early, like when I was 16, I, I did a traineeship in horticulture. I guess I just wanted to grow some weed. Um, but those early, um, early delvings into um, plant medicines were very interesting. I mean, I started quite early when I was um, about 15, 16. Um, and in the town that I lived and the school I went to and the friends I had, I mean, drugs were everywhere. Um, and, uh, you know, I was dabbling and I was getting getting into shooting up a bit of speed and um, uh, my friends were starting to get more into the smack and crack side of things and around that time that's when I had my first acid trip and that really um, turned me on in a big way and opened my mind and I realized for the first time that I was intelligent and I had um, a lot going on between my ears uh, yeah, so that that was cool and definitely, you know, stopped me from going down um, a different path. Um, and yeah, then uh, shortly after that, I was um, you know, I had my first DMT experience, and that was just gorgeous. It was probably my first real encounter with the divine. You know, it was like divine erotic. There were all these. I remember it so so vividly that first time gods and goddesses dancing out of the sky all in, entwined and you know I could really feel them touching me and gorgeous thing um, and for an angry little punk you know to experience such beauty and vastness was awesome and transformative um, yeah 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 so journey on a little I mean I remained an angry punk for many years, <laughs> and I tried. Uh, I tried a lot of things. I tried doing a lot of things with my life, and um, nothing really captivated me. But I was doing a bit of uh, environmental activism, um, blockading and locking on, and getting arrested and all that kind of shit. Um, um, I mean, very important shit was. Um, you know, protesting and protecting some really beautiful, pristine and sacred um, bits of land up in the Kimberley in um, northwest in Australia, which is country you just have to see to believe, honestly. When the tide's out, at low tide, you can, like in the mud rock on the beach, you can track dinosaur footprints. It's unreal. And so much wildlife and really... Um, a living, breathing indigenous culture that still has a, that 
beautiful direct connection to the land. So um, that was formative. Then I wanted to, um, you know, make change on a, on a bit of a higher level where I wasn't just getting arrested all the time. So I went and studied anthropology, and that was kind of cool. I learnt a lot about what it is to be a human, and our, you know, our cultural, our culture, and our values, um, our practices, our rituals. Um, and it was, I, I had a bit of a breakdown um, during that time. I was living in Melbourne, had a bit of a breakup and a breakdown and then a breakthrough. Um, so I moved back to my old hometown and still studying anthropology. But, okay, this is what happened. I was up one night doing some deep anthropological research, tripping balls on acid and... Uh, I came across this article that was about this little fishing village, uh, I think it was in Ghana, and they were using oyster mushrooms to remediate this fish waste and coffee grounds, and, you know, they were getting amazing nutrient-rich food out of waste, and that just turned something on for me, and I, you know, went deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole, and, um found Paul Stamets' talk, Six Ways Mushrooms Can Change the World, and pretty much from that night, from that moment, my entire life, that was five, a bit over five years ago, uh, has been devoted to learning this uh, path and this practice and honing my skills. I've been just self-taught all the way, and so it's been a lot of experimentation, a lot of... Um, Failures, which are definitely my number one teacher. Um, so who burnt me? N only myself. Like, I guess I could... Um, in the past, I could have blamed a lot of other people for hurting me, for breaking my heart, for raising me in this way, for not understanding me, blah, 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 blah. Um... But yeah, the only one I have to blame for my burning is myself. And it's really good to be at this stage of life where I can just own that. And, um, you know, fire is the catalyst of purification, isn't it? And I find that, that the, you know, just burning off that which is not needed, you know? Um, yeah, I have spent most of my life... Like, when I look back at my life, I've spent so much of it heartbroken. It's fucking ridiculous. It's sad, honestly. Um, and I realized that, you know, from my earliest relationship when I was 15 and blah, all this shit happened and it was very sad. Trust me, I should have been there. But um, I feel for that little dude, you know. I was, I was so sad and I was self-harming, I was self-abusing, I was... You know, I really uh, had some deeply ingrained self-loathing from a young age. I'd just try and fuck myself up on anything. I'd sniff paint, um, uh, you know, s sniff all kinds of solvents and drink whatever I could find, smoke whatever I could find. You know, I just, I don't, I don't know if it's like from the Christian thing 
uh, or immigrating when I was young. Um, but yeah, there was just something in me that was really looking for oblivion and and hating myself. You know, so I guess I put myself into a lot of relationships to find that, to find my own value through another, um, which never goes well. I know that now, <laughs> golden gift of hindsight. But uh, so yeah, I've had a lot of a lot of heartbreaks in my life, and it's I realize that that has been my my teacher. That has been the the catalyst for a lot of my um, becoming. Oh, heartbreaks, such sweet, sweet misery, isn't it? Oh, fuck. When I see other people in it, I just like, you know, outwardly, I um, show empathy. But inwardly, I'm like, go get it, go get, it. <laughs> go all the way. Don't don't just rebound onto someone else. Like go into the depths of this loneliness, of this, you know, this screaming abyss. Go, go into it. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Lots of time, lots of time heartbroken. I think after my last one, and that's, that's kind of been my motto, break up, break down, break through. Because I, I firmly believe that state is so close, that grieving process, you know, is so close to the very essence of what life is all about. So, um, yeah, fuck yeah, to anyone and everyone whose hearts are open enough to be broken, you know, what a joy, it reminds you that you're alive, that sweet pain, it's almost like, it's almost like, um, uh, self-harm, isn't it? Um, and sometimes, you know, sometimes you're healing up, and then you just got to go scratch the scab off for more of that magic so you call them you know in the middle of the night you drunk dial them and get your heart broken all over again hilarious so yeah i did a lot of my own burning thank you very much i set the fire and i i danced atop the flames and that's what i'm doing tonight in this tub as well but i guess yeah i just more, so much more about the self-love these days. Uh, it's still an ongoing practice. I mean, I can still be very self-abusive. Um, unintentionally, but I just can still get in, um, you know, just um, chronically overworking and then um, falling into, you know, stress patterns where I just either wake up with a coffee or a cigarette or a beer or um, whatever's going, but that's pretty intermittent with also waking up to some yoga and a smoothie. I think I'm surrendering a lot of the old types of suffering that I was really addicted to. And, um, yeah. Because life is full of suffering, you know, from, from when we're born, that's the pact that we make with life. If you want to experience all of those delicious highs, all of the sweet connection, all the love, then you got to also experience all of the pain and the grief of losing every single person you've ever loved. So life is so full of grief and pain, 
why, um, you know, voluntarily add more to it or get sucked into narratives or little stories about this person did this to me or blah blah, you know, it's, for me in this time of my life it's just about ownership of my actions and who I am and, um, yeah. I, I set the fire, it was me. Uh, when was I reborn? I really think that this process of being, oh, I got this bad cooking. This process that I've been in for the last two and a half years, building this farm, building my mushroom dream, and um, in the last year, building my, my own little tiny house. That is, that is how I've been reborn, and it's been arduous, and it's been painful and stressful, and I you know, spent the first year just sick and tired and... But, you know, driven, and I guess it's, you know, some people have that idea that you can't make, uh, you can't change anything in the world until you have sorted your own shit out. But um, I would also add to that, that, you know, use your work in the world as that, as that alchemy, that refinement um, this is what I've done, and speaking from my experience, but to really step into my creator being, and that's what I've realized is my magic and who I am, I'm, I'm able to, um, you know, vision and imagine and then pull these thought forms out of space and, um, just suspend my disbelief in my abilities, suspend my belief in my abilities and just create, just manifest, you know, um, so yeah, I think that's been it, building this house, building this tiny house, and making a nook for myself, and really just proving to myself that I got me, like, I got my back, whatever happens, I am industrious enough to be able to make the most of it, no matter what, um, so, yeah, that has been the, the rebirthing. And I hope that I'm constantly being burnt and reborn. You know, I, I think I've got a lot more transformations to go through in this lifetime and a lot of refinement still. Completely happy and contented with the perfectly imperfect being that I am right now under beautiful half chalice moon and stars and um, yeah. Yes, bitch, that's pretty much, uh, all of the little bits that I was curious about, and I completely agree when it comes to, obviously, at the end of the day, it is, it is us that we end up burning, and we use those in our life as a reflection as to why why we burned for example when I was very young and I took my mother's um expression of of confusion and let alone that I was a weirdo as my own that's when my I could feel you know my heart close completely my stomach 
cramp in the way of like, oh, I can't share these things. And it was through my own burning, through my own process of like, I cannot do that anymore that yeah, you end up putting yourself on the stake and we're constantly going through these Phoenix, Phoenix cycles of, of burning because from the fire, we're born again. And I'm curious to see for you, it seems that as you've said, like your own process of healing and has come through um, through different uh, plant medicines as well as your process of serving and putting time and energy into the land, which I completely agree, like that that ongoing healing process that we're going, it shifts through um, the actions that we take. And like Ardos Castaneda says, we can either make ourselves miserable or we can make ourselves strong. The amount of work is the same. And was there a, a moment for you in your own childhood? Because as I've, as I've shared, like for me looking back um, and seeing how I used the reflection of my mother to then burn myself to then as time went on, there were other people that I came across that reflected, that reminded me of my mother in the same ways. And therefore I would, you know, be quiet and sort of muffle and sense my own magic, which then in turn burns me and being accountable for that, being accountable for your own, um, I suppose it's like the courage that we build up throughout time to show up in our most powerful states of bitchiness, of witchiness, of brujaness and wizardness. And when you were younger, what was that reflection? What, who, who reflected that in order? Because there's always a reflection that causes us to burn. You know, it's like the magnifying glass with the kid and the Jeremy. It's like there's something that causes those cycles to happen time and time and time again. And of course, we learn through them and we we are able to heal because like you said, the, you know, <laughs> um, in retrospect, the, the way that we can see that all of those little gold pieces along the way that allow us to learn, that allow us to like process the heartbreak and all of that. Can you recall who it was, who the reflection was in your family that burned you at such a young age and then you went through the process of the actions that you took that didn't really make you feel good and now we're still as we continue to move along as we continue to heal as we continue to like take off the the old bandages and heal them again and then see that there's more wound and then you know just the ongoing process of that have you looked back at that moment um at that moment that you feel you you burned um, and have you had time to sit with it and heal it? I know all of this is an ongoing process of all of those wounds. I'm, I'm just really curious to know if there's a moment for you in the same way that there was a moment for me with my mother and um, and my mother was, you know, she was this, this goddess in my eyes. And so 
It was having, like you said, the process of self-love, the process of self-care, the process of being with suffering that is so innate to who we are as humans because it exists, that is part of who we are. As soon as we slip out of that glorious pussy, like we are in the space of suffering. Um, and through my own work, I have been able to go, as as you have said, see the reflection that it is not my mother that burned me. It is only the reflection of what I saw in my mother's eyes that allowed me to burn myself. And that was because I didn't have the ovaries to step into my own power in that time and be confident in the magic that I was experiencing. So with the examples that you gave and um, plant medicine opening up these pathways in your mind in your in all of these hallways that exist constantly and the doors that we open what was it for you to if you have had the opportunity to be with that moment and heal that moment um I'm curious to know what what that has looked like and when you feel it the most as you're going through the service of tending to the land? Um, well, it all started when I was a wing boy. Well, no, truth be told, I think that most of that, most of that burning sensation comes from my um, Christian upbringing uh, and as does a lot of um, you know early embedded shame and all kinds of things like that and um, I guess the way that my parents uh, parented me was very influenced by that as well so you know if I got caught doing something naughty you know nothing was really explained to me in in ways that made a great deal of sense to me. It was all to do with Jesus, you know. Jesus wouldn't like it. Once they found a stash of um, porn mags under my um, bed and, you know, they they just shamed the fuck out of me. And it was, if I could, you know, you can't, you can't blame um, your parents, really. They were just doing what they thought was best and they were just freaked out by a little, yeah, a little weirdo like me because I was uh, and continue to be a little weirdo, slightly bigger now. Um, so yeah, Christianity, I think, was one of the major contributing factors to my downfall. Um, you know, in that, I think they do just program you with with a great deal of shame. And also would, you know, I'd go to church and I'd see all these people in rapture and worship with their hands in the air and tears streaming down their face, um, you know, having these deep connections with God and I just didn't feel anything, you know, so I thought that there was something wrong with me or all these things. So I guess that's where a lot of my rebellion comes from. And I would say I I fucking adore my parents and I give them so much credit for giving me something to fight against, to, you know, so that I could be self-defined and not just follow in, um, you know, the path that was laid out for me. And then, um, 
yeah, the transmutation of these things, I guess first, it was uh, maybe six or seven or eight years ago now, and I was um, with my hot little queer lover, Circus Interdimensional Prince, and we were on, okay, sorry, I'll set the scene, it was a, it was a full moon, it was like an Aries supermoon, me and Circus are both Aries, and we'd just done some obscure, obscene performance, um, I think on a bit of K, and then we just like ran off whooping into the night, and we found this beautiful, almost like an altar, this little stone circle on top of a hill, uh, and we were just making out, and you know, suckling on each other's extremities, and tripping balls under this glaring moon, and um, you know, oh, we were flowing through all the different roles, and at one point, you know, he was suckling on my breast, and he looked up at me and said, Mummy, let's kill Daddy. And I was like, oh, embedded in there. But it wasn't that that was the transformational thing. He said, he he was actually, um, you know, beautiful super freak that he is. He was brought up very strictly Christian and very in denial about his um, homosexuality. And he was actually the one who uh, that night kind of like reminded me that Jesus has nothing to do with Christianity. Like the the spirit of Christ, the energy of Christ, that's something that is kind of endogenous, you know? Anytime you see uh, like a spontaneous kindness, open-hearted gesture, you know, the... The Spirit of Christ is, is right there, and if you talk about Christ as a man, you know, he was a he was a rascal and a rabble-rouser, and he was also an Essene. They were, they were plant masters and teachers. Um, so a lot of the things, I actually vibe so much with Jesus Christ <laughs> these days, and I think especially from my journeys with... Um, with the grandmother ayahuasca uh, and mushrooms too, but uh, you know I've I've encountered the the spirit of Christ and also felt that you know deep within myself. So I think you know in the true spirit of Christ, if I think that's pretty much everything that I'm doing is probably in the, what I perceive to be the true spirit of Christ. You know. Um, standing up for the, the weak and the sick and um, the downtrodden and the outcast and hanging out with the sex workers and tax collectors and, you know, and that, that sweet righteous rage that uh, that he flew into. Like, you know, when he saw people pimping out the tabernacle, he just went and threw over all the tables and, uh, you know, told them to get their shit out. Um... So yeah, there's some gorgeous encounters. There's something else I was gonna something else I was gonna add to that. Oh yeah. So um another aspect of what I do is uh, youth work and I've been doing that for the last couple of years working in uh, like residential homes with kids who've been uh removed from their parents, kicked out of home, um you know when they come out of uh juvenile detention all that kind of stuff. And that process of um, of doing the work of 
you know, getting yelled at in my face, abused, punched, kicked, spat on, shat on, uh, you know, all those processes were um, so deeply integral for me um, to find that healing of that, like, angry young punk that I was and that little lost, hurt soul. Uh, because I think it is, I think that that's our true nature, you know, and what we're really here to do, to be, to be bringers of light and to embody that, you know, show the light, hold the, hold the flame for those who are still lost. Um, and this, I can't even fathom what this world must be like for young people these days. Um, I'm but even just in this area, in our, you know, um, few degrees of separation, I've heard of several young people just in the last few weeks take their lives. Uh, it's, yeah, it's an alienating world, and I think now more than ever we need to, um, you know, have that intergenerational healing and reach out to young people and let them know that there is a future after your teenage years. When I was that age, I never could perceive the future, you know, I was so, so short-sighted, I thought I would die, or, you know, I never, I never made a plan, I never, um, and I think, you know, just being your super freaky, open-hearted self, wherever you go, no matter what the situation, um, and which is something that I really feel that I've dropped so much um, shame in my life that now I just have very fucking little to go around. So I'm unapologetically um, myself at all times. And I think that, that to, sh to um, just be a role model to young people, that they can be whatever, not that they need to necessarily turn out anything like you, but that they can follow their own freaky little path and find fulfillment and love and acceptance and connection, all those kinds of things. Um, so yeah, that's that working with young people has been one of the most um, healing and transformational um, processes for me. I still do it a bit, but I, I've stopped doing the really intensive um, resi work, but now I just work one day a week with a 10-year-old autistic lad, and we just go out to the forest and go and, um, you know, jump off waterfalls and go mountain biking and go to the beach, swim in the river, just all cool things like that. He doesn't even really talk very much. He's pretty non-verbal, so we got this whole other way of communicating, which is really interesting. Uh, and the um, thing about nature... Doing like I went on hikes and stuff when I was a kid. I guess I just I lived in the kind of suburbs in Cape Town, in South Africa. And when I moved to Australia, I think I was we were kind of on the outskirts of town, so I'd, I'd ride out my bike with my little mates and go hit the trails and, and just go out bush. But I don't think that was ever in a um, profoundly spiritual or connected way. Uh, which probably doesn't have to be, you know, whatever, wherever you are, I think that um, that immersion in nature can still affect you.
Um, oh, fuck. Sumatra was such a good time with all of you guys. I had such a ball. Um, it was interesting. That was, that was the most time that I've spent with people in quite some time. And it was quite uncomfortable for me at times. But, um, I don't know. You were all just such a loving bunch that even if I had to take myself away <laughs> out to the forest to, you know, gather my thoughts, um, it was always a pleasure to come back to you all. I guess um, living here in this beautiful part of the world, Northern Rivers, in um, the kind of mid-east coast of Australia, uh, nature abounds, you know, I can, there are so many national parks and waterfalls and secret little swimming holes and like beautiful old growth forest. I mean we saw some shit in Sumatra, we saw some gorgeous ancient forest but here as well there is like remnant Gondwana rainforest and the whole the whole region is pretty much a giant super volcano crater. Um, so yeah, nature is, I'm, I'm so, even though I'm, I'm out in the bush right now, for me this isn't nature, this is just my little patch of camphor forest that I live in, but the land around here is still very much cultivated, you know, it's all farmland, um, and I really crave just the immersion in, in the deep old growth, the ancient trees, and that sweet biodiversity, and just to lose myself, I'm, I, have been getting such a craving for it because I'm, I'm just overworking at the moment and I'm not really taking myself out for those sweet solo adventures that really fill me up. <sighs> so yeah, I'm overdue. I was even thinking tomorrow, um, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Sorry's there. Yeah. Like it's it's messed up how much biodiversity we're losing, how much of the world's forest is is being burnt and destroyed and I see this uh, lifeblood, this is where all the medicines come from. It's where we come from, like that is our origin story, you know, we were arboreal frugivores, we were munching fruits in the treetops and I just love to think back about what we did back then, because, you know, we were modern humans, we had, um, you know, the same brain size back then, there would have been Einsteins of their day, I just think, what did we ply our um, wisdom to, like that, imagine the music we would have made back then, if there was any, but, I mean, I think we're born with rhythm, um, so yeah, fuck yeah, imagine all all the crazy music we would have made in the jungles and I think we would have been also expert weavers and probably wove vast nets and um, you know we would have just spent our time in the treetops like those beautiful orangutans we encountered that's where I want to be like it's making me nostalgic for 200,000 years ago but maybe also uh it's not about just reminiscing. What about our future? What about our 
ancient future. Maybe we can't just reminisce for what is gone, but we need to look towards what the world of tomorrow will look like. And what, um, what strategies can we implement now to ensure biodiversity? Whether that's wildlife corridors, region, saving old growth that still remains, um, maybe DNA sequencing, maybe a bit of gene editing. I mean, I would love to have a tail. I mean, I love climbing trees. I reckon a tail would just add to my agility and mobility. So tail would be good. Also, some webbed toes and fingers. That would be sweet, but maybe we could engineer all kinds of other creatures, you know. There's that beautiful Margaret Atwood trilogy, um, after the flood, or the Oryx and Crate trilogy, where, you know, there's all different mutant strains of creatures that have been bred, genetically bred by humans. Maybe that's where we're heading. We'll have to wait and see. But in the meantime, yeah, let's just start, start practicing and... And walking it, and just you know, plant some fucking trees. Um, yeah, I guess I used to really, and I still do. In ways, just crave the demise of civilization. Fuck this! Fuck this hellhole of a system that keeps us all in captivity at the expense of the earth. You know. Um, and I'm sure that it is in its death throes in in ways, but there's definitely aspects that I wish to maintain. And I don't think it's our time to go, because we need to clean up the fucking mess we made here. It's, you know, I do hear that mentality a lot. People are just like, oh, well, you know, we've had a good run, whatever. Like, no, we've made a fucking mess of this planet. It's our responsibility to clean up as much of it as we can. You know, and that's where I see mycology playing such an awesome role. You know, you can you can remediate waterways, you can break down different types of plastics, diesel, different types of chemicals. Um, so for me that is the radical technology to be into right now. I love how it all comes back full circle, just as, you know, when I was telling Glow, it's always like unspooling this ball of yarn and letting the kitten do its thing, which I really enjoyed hearing how, yeah, that the, the reflections that we have and the way that we translate it and the deconstruction of um, and even the, the healing of, you know, the idea of, and the energy of, of Christ, of the divine, um, being rehealed through your own process and essentially doing the, the healing of the childhood of, you know, the wounded little punk through the process of working with youth, um, and how gratifying all of this and this combination of things when you put them together and alongside all of the tools that you've gained along the way and putting all of this into practice, it just, 
it's, it's the whole process of accepting the burning and the suffering that it comes with our human existence um, and this weirdness and how I feel so grateful to know somebody as amazingly weird and freaky and unapologetically, like you said yourself, it's being able to reach out and connect these threads as we are all healing, you know, because as much as as so much a part of me wants to just be in a space with all of you again, um, and it just makes me feel so grateful. There's a lot of gratitude for knowing that we were able to all meet and come together before everything shifted in in such a way that it's never going to be the same again, you know, like I don't know the next time that I'm going to get to be in the jungle with all of you, but there's such a deep connection and I just feel really grateful for your willingness to come on, to play, to give me your narrative, your side. I think it's so important for people to constantly hear different versions and see different lenses of how one, one, the realization of magic, two, how you've come to step into it and hearing different modalities of healing because we all sense differently we all experience differently and I think it's beautiful to be able to have a tapestry of color so there's a a variety to choose from and being able to hear you on this journey and also you know the reminding of that this is a this is a never-ending fucking process but the way you've been able to integrate everything, the way you've been able to sift through it and step out into the world, step out into the other people, regardless of whether there was anxiety there and being in a group setting and stuff, the way you opened your heart, the way you showed up is just so fucking sexy and it's so beautiful and it's it just feel an immense amount of yes thank you life thank you whatever it is that is allowing these things to flow in the way that they do for being able to share space with somebody like you I really appreciate your time um, and your energy and your willingness to you know go through this regardless of whether it turned out exactly as we wanted it to and just yeah your willingness to play with with the back and forth narrative as you soaked in your tub and went through the process of all of that and continuing your night I just thank you so much I really really (sighs) I've really enjoyed this time I've really enjoyed this time and it's been an extended time more than more time than like I had anticipated and I told you and I just really appreciate your patience and your willingness to be with it and um, with me and I just yeah enjoyed all of it muchas gracias for magic moon day episode being able to let people um, listen to this what it brings up for them and allowing them to sit with um, that information um, and the sensations that arise from it. So, yeah, I would love to definitely pull a card to close. I'd love that, yeah. I'd love a little tarot reading. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what comes out. What usually comes out is, uh, uh, <laughs> at the moment is... Um, 
Knight of Discs, you know, constantly Knight of Discs. He's like the Knight of <laughs> Agriculture. Yeah, but there is, um, there is a beautiful strength and resilience and down-to-earthness of it all. My question um, is, probably, how can I continue to show up and find time and presence and patience for people? Because I find a lot of the time, just in my mission, um, that, yeah, I just... Can't stand people a lot of the time. Although I feel like I don't have the time and the patience that I used to have uh, for people. So maybe, you know, how can I find that balance? Where lies that balance for me of, um, I guess, being able to fill my own cup enough um, that I can uh, be present for others as well. Yeah, so taking your question, and uh, I was shuffling as I was listening, and the card that came up is the tower. Um, 16 is at the very top, Roman numerals, and um, there are two people falling off of it after being hit by what looks like lightning, or maybe they just jumped, you know? The tower, ruin, the decapitated pyramid is the death of hope, the ruin of our constructions, arrogance, presumption, prison, ruin, desperation, punishment, and the lack of balance, which I suppose going through the process, as we've said through ruin and um, the idea of what and how do we move through the suffering, <laughs> but it's also through a lot of the times through this pain that we recognize what it is that we need to fill within our own cup in order to hold space for others and the things that you're doing for yourself in being able to soak oh, in this delicious cast iron tub for as long as you want in your little humble abode in your sanctuary and like being able to even talk about the process of the pain of the heartbreak the recognition of quote-unquote, the ruin that we all put ourselves through the burning of in order to restore anew. I don't know if that answers anything along those lines, and if you have any input, that would be really nice. Um, but yeah, ruin, the tower. Hmm. Lack of balance to find balance. Yeah, that's a pretty, um, I often find that card, I guess, unsettling in a way. The image in my mind I have is from the Thoth Tarrier, and I was like howling demons. And, but, but maybe, uh, maybe the answer is that, uh, um, everything's just temporary, you know? Maybe, uh, I'll find that time uh, in the in the um, embers of civilization maybe once it's all gone down maybe once this world is 
torched and on its way out. Maybe that's when I'll chill out a bit. I hope that doesn't mean, uh, you know, like, that everything I'm working so hard on needs to, you know, be destroyed um, for me to come back to that place. Uh, which is sometimes the case, I think, when you, you know, work your little ass off day in, day out, year in, year out. And uh, for the thing that you feel will be that deep, sweet fulfillment, however, when you get there, you know, you realize that it's not what you wanted at all. And in a way, I do worry about that, uh, you know, with the path that I'm on, um, which can be so isolating, that, um, you know, the further down the path I go, <laughs> just the weirder I become and the less able to connect to other people but uh, I don't know I think it's an unfounded fear because I am actually I am actually connecting very deeply and sweetly with a lot of people at the moment and I'm finding that uh, sharing sharing my knowledge you know sharing what I've um, learnt is really a beautiful process. Go on, pull another one. I need a bit of clarity on that. Mm, so for the clarity of the tower, in order to find the balance of our own cup, to have it full in order to hold space for others, I pulled the four of chalices, the left hand of neck bit which I recall being connected to the underworld. So again, the death, the deconstruction of the burning in order to be born again from the ashes. Stroke of luck, annoyance, bad omen. So maybe this goes to, and in its talons, it is carrying um, what looks like a scrolled message. So I think it's also very possible, I mean, not also very possible, I've, it's very likely, um, given the way that life is constantly speaking to us, uh, we tend to be able to see our ruin in foreshadowing, and life is constantly foreshadowing whether we're paying attention to those small annoyances or those omens uh, is completely up to us, and sometimes we are constantly moving in the in the go in the flow of the rhythm that we don't stop and it, as it's mentioned the stroke of luck the paying attention to the slowing down in order to listen that way if there needs to be a change in direction you have time to change with the wind before getting stuck in the storm um, and also how the maybe we can see the storm from a distance instead of having to be in the eye of it. Uh, and I think that goes hand in hand, like I said, with everything that we've been talking about and being able to, like, what are the annoyances, what are the omens that as a whole we are being called to plant seeds, regenerate the soil, literally the priority does that come before anything or anyone at this point in time because as you've said that is what sustains us 
So paying attention to all of those little things and hopefully not having to get to the point of ruin in order to come back to a full cup. Uh, I believe that, you know, like, oh, I'm so hopeful for human condition, I, mainly because of people like you and um, all of the other witches and wizards that will, will join. Um, it does give me hope. Ah, it gives me hope that we don't have to be struck off this tire, this tower with fucking lightning. Here's a little poem for you as well. Between the mythical and the physical, I wax lyrical. Rhythm is spiritual, animal instinct, soul is intrinsically linked with the infinite. Irrepressibly expressed, unashamedly intimate, I'm into it. Really, it's simple arithmetic. Algorithms arise, is it god or magic? Or is it I, amused by logic, confused by time and tired, forgot this. Lost the plot and entered gnosis. I know this. A genius exists within us all, waiting to be acknowledged. Borrow courage, break through the wall, you will find all that you forage. I utter up a sigil, a ritual to keep things simple. Undivided mind unlocked through symbol, central nervous soulful tingle. Tapping into parts unknown, of my psyche vision shown, isms and schisms disowned, at once uncrowned and then dethroned. You are everything and nothing, the void screams, and I scream in reply. You can't escape your darkest dreams, demons dabbling in obscene, obsidian absolute absence of light, the dark night of the soul, feeling the lingering absence of wholeness. If you own this and be grateful, the gift to have been shown this. Hunger and greed, I understand the need to satiate the raging beast. To release the wild child inside and find your people, find your tribe. Sail upon the oceans wide. Sink among the sacred waters where sailors sing to wayward daughters. Bellies rumble with delicious laughter, rippling into the ever after. Until our next spiraling Sunday. Stay fucking weird, bitches.